0: Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just an amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of john today we are going to read about jesus healing a man who was born blind and he's an adult grown up and jesus heals him restores his sight amazing story and so let's pray ask god to help us lord today as we look at this incredible story we want you to speak to us and we want you to open our hearts to your incredible power and love and all that you have for us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, George and Tracy, Ann, good morning, you guys. So, uh, John chapter 9, here we go. As he passed by, that's Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Let's just pause for a second. There are many of us who have believed in what we might call divine healing or the power of God to heal people, the willingness of God to heal people, the potential for that to happen today, the reality that miracles are For today as well as back in the time of the Bible and yet we puzzle over why people are sick and we puzzle over the cause and so on and I guess it's true to say that sickness is in the world because of sin directly or indirectly because Adam and Eve walked away from God's perfect Will for them and took their destinies on themselves. We know that that brought sin and death into the world, and sickness is a product of that. Blindness, all the disabilities that we associate with parts of our bodies not working as they were designed to, is all a product of sin being in the world. But the question as to whether there's a direct correlation between someone's poor health and Their own sin or somebody else's sin (laughs) is—it can get us into a lot of deep water, and we end up speculating in a way that isn't particularly helpful if we're not careful. So, Jesus is saying you're asking the wrong question, but actually here right now is an opportunity for the works of God to be displayed in him, and I think that's the situation we find ourselves in when we're when we're sick ourselves or we're. we're in a position to pray for somebody or um, someone wants healing excuse me, in our lives that we're able to then be God's servant in that situation and bring something from Him into that situation. So we have an opportunity then for the works of God to be revealed in that situation. We, or you know, the works of God to be displayed. And so that then puts us in a different um place of responsibility because we're then saying, God, what do you want to do in this situation? So we're putting the responsibility for the whole kind of thing back onto God. So, Lord, is there a way you can use me in this situation with this person today? Is there a way I can bring the works of God to bear in this situation? Can you do something? Is <laughs> really what we're saying, isn't it? Lord, can you do something? maybe even through me in this situation so let's not try and blame the victim or put the kind of try and do such a sort of conclusive diagnostic job of oh this is because of that let's just actually say God what do you want to do in this situation how can you use me how can the works of God be displayed in this person in front of me so never forget as well that one of the works of God and one of the things of God is kindness and gentleness and respect. And so in all our attempts to pray for the sick, minister to people who are ill or poorly, disabled, whatever, let us never, ever, ever forget that we are there as a servant of Jesus. We represent him. We represent his values and how we proceed with that ministry is so important that it comes across with gentleness, respect, compassion, mercy, kindness, all those things that we know are core values of the kingdom. Cool. Righty-ho. So then verse four then. Good morning, Anne and Pat and Mike and Kathy. Good to see you guys. Jesus says this wonderful statement. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And so Jesus is saying there is a window of opportunity for us in relation to ministry, in relation to serving God. In fact, even on a bigger kind of scale, even down to our personal response to Jesus. So there is an opportunity. The fact that you and I are alive today means that we have an opportunity to serve Jesus today. If we have not received him into our hearts, then today is the day of salvation. It's the day of opportunity for us to receive him. And the first work of God is to believe in Jesus Christ, the one he sent, Jesus says. So that's what the works of... So that's the primary task is to receive Jesus. If we haven't done that, that's today's job. Let's put it like that. If we have received Jesus, then he engages us in his work, in his ministry, and he wants us to be deployed well and fruitfully in that ministry. And so there is an opportunity for us. As long as we're alive in this life, this is the time when we can work and do the works of him who sent Jesus the works of the father and then night is coming excuse me when no one can work so Jesus is foreseeing that point where actually for all of us our our lives stop in this form and carry on in another form and so let's get the job done now while we're alive in these bodies let's do the important things let's do the work of God verse five Jesus says as long as I am in as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. <laughs> this is really cool compared when we consider what he's about to do. So he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground. See I would say spat, but this translation says spit. So he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. <laughs> wow. We get used to these stories. I've been hearing this story since I was a little child at Sunday school. But this is truly sensational, isn't it? Look what's happening Jesus says, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm here, I'm the light of the world, right? And then he's looking at this guy and all he's ever known is darkness. From birth. Literally, he's never even... So in the mother's womb, he wouldn't have seen anything. Now he's born. He can't see anything. I'm going to have to strangle a dog. (laughs) One second. Dear, oh dear. I didn't strangle her. Just... So delete that. No animals were injured during the making of this film. I just want to disclaim her. She's up in the window. She needs to survey the neighbourhood. Right. Let's see. He's lived in darkness all his life. He's never seen a ray of light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, spits in the ground, makes some mud, smears it on his eyes. The guy is healed. How amazing is that? Now, we can get very complicated. And Mike was saying that he on Sunday, we had a preacher, Mike Robinson, many of you know, he he was saying that once he prayed for someone who was blind and he did the same as Jesus, he made some mud and smeared it on the person's eyes. person wasn't healed. <laughs> they had muddy eyes, but they were not healed. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Pops fan club. We get it. Um, Jesus, however, was not giving us a methodology for healing blind people, smearing mud in their eyes, which seems like adding insult to injury. They're already blind. They're already disadvantaged. Now we're going to spit and make mud out of our nasty spit and smear it on someone's eyes. This is not methodology. What Jesus is doing is demonstrating something and he uses the moment. He's, He's kind of inspired in that moment and I guess it would have worked equally well if Jesus had just said, "Be healed, sight come back," but Jesus is doing something and giving the man something to do in response. So the man now has mud on his eyes, he has to go and wash, comes back completely healed. I love it, so what we need to do when we're in a situation we're praying for a blind person um Is to be listening to God and say, God, is there something that you want me to do in the way of an action or an activity that engages this person's faith, that gets them involved, or is it just how are we going to do it? How how are you? How are we going to do it? How are you going to do it, Jesus? How can I cooperate with what you want to do today? I prayed for a lady in Venezuela. She was an older woman, and I had an interpreter with me, and I just had this very strange kind of impression that I should kiss her eyelids (laughs) it's just bizarre I know and don't again don't make a methodology of it and don't condemn me I just said to the translator do you think this would be okay and she's like yeah so anyway I grabbed this old lady kiss her eyelids and she can she wasn't completely blind but her sight was really badly gone and we did some little tests and she could she could read some big writing on the stage but she couldn't read the label on my shirt prayed for her again and then she could read the label on my shirt and I'm like Jesus oh that is just so cool because absolutely I am not I can't do that stuff absolutely that is a miracle absolutely that is Jesus absolutely he gets all the credit but the point is that sometimes he might inspire us to do something that's a little bit off the beaten track and we have to just kind of navigate I suppose and sometimes yeah but let's not try and be weird for the sake of it because that's just silly okay right so he comes back seeing verse eight the neighbors and those who had been who had seen him before as a beggar were saying is this not the man who used to sit and beg and some said it is he and others said no but he is like him and he kept saying I'm the man So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. (laughs) I'm not psychic. I've got my sight back, but I'm not psychic. I don't know where Jesus might happen to be right now. Um, he didn't leave his itinerary with me, but he's just saying, yeah, I am the guy. So people are saying, oh, it's him. It looks like him. It looks like him. He's, he can see. Well, it can't be him then, can it? Well, yes, it can if he's met Jesus. Right. Anyway, press on. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath day, Oops! when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight. They're not interested so that they can give glory to God and honour Jesus and say, oh, wow, Jesus, you must be the Messiah. Nothing like that. They don't want to receive Jesus themselves. What they want to do is get the church police out again to come out with their blue light woo woo, and arrest somebody for doing something on the Sabbath which is actually the most astonishing miracle. Who even cares what day it is? This guy has received his sight. He's been in darkness since he was a child, since before, forever. Sorry, not even since he was, forever he's been in darkness. Jesus comes and he can see. And all the fuss is about doing it on the Sabbath. Can you believe it? Doesn't it drive you bonkers how religious people, can miss the whole point of what God is doing sometimes because they're caught up on a technicality and because their theology will not budge because it's as stiff as a board. They've got this perfect theology as if anybody can perfectly understand the ways of God and write them down and get them all in. Honestly, anyway, right. So stop ranting, Paul. So Then um, the Pharisees again asked asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes. I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there's this discrepancy. They're, They're disagreeing. They're saying, well, hold on a minute. On the one hand, He's clearly not from God because he's broken the Sabbath and someone else is saying, well, look, you can't do that. I can't do that. We're righteous people. This guy is on another level. And there was a division among them. Verse 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? Well, this guy is barely knows Jesus. He's literally had one brief encounter with his, where he couldn't see him came back and he could but Jesus it seems to have gone by then um and he says what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes so it's like kind of the news reporter asking someone who's not an expert to talk like they're an expert and so he says he's a prophet well I guess that's a pretty good guess and he is a prophet of course verse 18 The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man. So they're going to do a proper, in-depth, forensic examination of the facts now. And they're getting, because they're annoyed and they're clearly outgunned by Jesus like a million to one. And they're scrabbling around trying to find some bit of ground to object to what Jesus is so beautifully doing. And so they call the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, for he is of age. He will speak for himself." His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So what they're doing, the parents are intimidated. So the Pharisees have gone and sent for the parents who've been herded towards in front of this kind of little court of the pharisees here and and they're they they know they're being put on the spot they know they're they're in trouble for something they just don't know what and so they're gonna say as little as they possibly can they're gonna they're gonna agree that it's their son that he is their son but they're not going to say anymore because they're so intimidated because they're fearful of being put out of the synagogue which was like being excommunicated from the Jewish community which massive big deal because that would be their whole support network all their friends all their peers their business contacts everything else they're all in that kind of connection of the synagogue and the Jewish community And thinking man what is our son doing you know I mean great that he can see but let's not get in trouble with him verse 24 so for the second time they called the man who had been born blind and <laughs> said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, uh, sorry, one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. He's getting fed up, isn't he? He's getting tired of this. They, they're clearly he's clearly not giving them the answer they're looking for. They, they're they looking for evidence against Jesus, evidence to condemn Jesus. Morning, James. And they're just not getting it from him because all he he's just giving them the simple facts. I, I was blind. Now I see. <laughs> don't ask me any more than that. That's I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he's a sinner. I I genuinely do not know this man's life history. All I know is I was blind. Now I see. And you know what? I love it. I love it. I love it. Because there's something just so pure and simple about this guy's testimony. It's not complicated. Oh, and but the religious hostility that's coming from these Pharisees, towards jesus as they try and corner this man into saying something that incriminates jesus and so technically even making mud on the sabbath was a work because it was like kneading and like kneading dough that was a that was considered to be work on the sabbath so they want to find something to kind of nail jesus for and So he says, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Well, that's exactly what Jesus is finding with the Pharisees. They don't really want to know. And there is a place we can get to in our religious opinionated arrogance sometimes where we actually ask a question, but we don't want the answer. We don't really want to know because our mind is already made up. That is called arrogance okay and so they reviled him so he says i've already told you um i've told you already and you would not listen why do you want to hear it again do you also want to become his disciples and they reviled him saying you're his disciple but you're you're his disciple but we're disciples of moses And so they're kind of trying to pull rank and puff their chests out and make this man feel stupid. And they say, verse 29, we know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes we know that God, listen to this bit of theology from this guy, is really fun, he says, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. <laughs> There's a takeaway, God doesn't listen to sinners, people who are habitually stuck in sin, God doesn't listen to them, well, until they repent, of course, and then he really does, his ears are wide open to the sinner who's repenting, but the person the the fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective the bible says or woman we can include in there so thankfully so he says that god doesn't listen to sinners but if anyone is a worshipper of god and does his will god listens to him never listen to this statement verse 32 never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not from god he could do nothing And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you preach to us? Would you teach us? And they cast him out. (laughs) So they keep badgering him. And in the end, he starts preaching to them. He starts giving them the word of God. And they really, really can't hack it because they feel like that's their job. This is a sinful person. They consider themselves to be above reproach. And... they they threw him out in the end he wasn't really quite what they were looking for as their witness their star witness to bring down Jesus right verse 35 Jesus heard they'd cast him out and having found him he said I wonder if he had a little chuckle with him hey bro they, they not like you either do they anyway Jesus heard that they'd cast him out and having found him he said do you believe in the son of man he answered and who is he sir that I may believe in him Jesus said to him you've seen him and it is he who's speaking to you and he said Lord I believe and he worshipped him. Jesus said for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Wow it's amazing Jesus is dancing around this whole subject of judgment isn't he and who's the judge and who's going to do the ultimate judging and so on but Jesus judges just by being there really and he exposes the darkness of the minds of the religious um, leaders and their their kind of um, prejudice and everything else and their refusal to acknowledge him he exposes the blindness of them meanwhile brings sight to someone who's Born blind and it's such a powerful picture for what Jesus does when he arrives in a situation the people who have got their minds made up already and want to stay in their darkness their darkness gets darker if that's possible but for the ones who are humble and just want to receive him boom their eyes are open Their lives are flooded with light, change comes, revolution comes, transformation comes, healing comes, everything else. So he says, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Wow, everybody. (laughs) What a a storming chapter. What an amazing story. Jesus, we love you. You are the best. You're the champion. And Lord, we want to see you opening blind eyes. We want to see you healing the sick around us. We want to see you doing extraordinary things in our day. But Lord, also we pray that the eyes of those who are genuinely searching for truth and life and reality would find you their eyes would be open that you would be the light that dispels the darkness in jesus name amen have a fantastic day you guys